Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're a few days away from the Australian Open beginning here in Australia, one of the biggest sporting events in the country. We cannot wait for it. The draw has been done. And uh, now we start building up to what is going to be an epic couple of weeks in Melbourne, as it always is. Former Davis Cup captain and semi-finalist from the 87 Aussie Open, Wally Masur, has been good enough to join us on the SCN Network. Wally, hello to you, mate. 87? Dude, it seems like a long time ago now, doesn't it? <laughs> I was looking through your stats today. 87 Aussie Open semi-finalist and then 93 US Open Semi-finalist. Um, you had to wait a while to uh, to get back to that stage. You might touch on that at the end of the interview, Wal, if that's okay, and just tell a couple of stories from uh, your halcyon days. In the meantime, let's talk about uh, someone who might, in the hope of Australian tennis and sports fans, replicate that this year. Alex Diminor, another big scalp in the lead-up to the Aussie Open in Carlos Alcaraz last night, albeit in a, uh, a charity event. Yeah, well, that's right. An exhibition, a hit out for both players. Um, Carlos has obviously not played an ATP event prior to the Australian Open, but you know, so many players like Yannick Sinner played the Kuyon Classic this week. They've had such big years, and the year finishes so late. The season finishes so late. They needed a bit of off time, and then building up to a pre-season. But um, Demon is in sparkling form. It's not just his form over the course of this Australian summer in the United Cup, but it's been building over the course of 2023, late 2022. He's just been as solid as a rock, starting to really beat the top 10 players regularly. Uh, that's given him all sorts of confidence. He's that you know, one year older, mm. one year stronger, one year fitter. It's all coming together really, really nicely. What has he changed, Well, Because from the outside, I think some people questioned whether Alex Diminor had reached a ceiling, whether you know, quarterfinals, fourth round was his limit, whether he was able to knock off one of the big guys, which he has done in the lead-up to the Aussie Open, during a Grand Slam. But now the confidence is building that he can. What's changed in his game that's led to that? I think it's, it's incremental. Like, there's nothing startlingly different with his game. You know, it's incremental. You just get... You just get that little bit stronger. You get that little bit fitter. You make bigger, you know, bigger, and you make better decisions in, in crucial moments. You start to have some big wins. That builds belief. So it's just a process of building. And you know, Alex wasn't. You know, if you look at like a Nick Kyrgios kind of burst onto the scene with a 220 kilometre-hour serve, Alex was different. You know, he kind of had to build from the ground up. You know, mm. really solid baseline game, um, tremendous counter puncher, super fast, super competitive. But then he just adds dimensions to his game, you know, taking the ball a bit earlier, being a bit more forceful, coming to the net more often, putting 10, 15 Ks on his serve. So it's just been this process of hard work and dedication. And he stayed healthy. You know, he had a couple of Australian Open campaigns there where he tore stomach muscles, and that hasn't happened for a while. You know, he's been fully healthy for a good period of time. So for me, it's just this incremental building, you know, one brick, another brick, another brick. And before you know it, you build a wall. Um, but he he is in great form at the moment. He is not going to beat himself. It's going to take an awfully big effort for someone to beat Demon at the AO. That provides so much excitement for us leading into Melbourne Park, and obviously the hopes are high that he can 
make the final four and get beyond the quarterfinal stage for the first time at a Grand Slam. What about the other Aussie men? Is there anyone that you think might be able to surprise and join him in a, in a run into the second week? Well, it, it, the the fortunate thing for Demon, of course, is that he, he'll be, I think he'll be seated 10 for the Australian Open, um, which gives you a lot of protection in the draw. So you don't, you know, he wouldn't really run into a big gun until potentially fourth round. So third round, fourth round, you know, at the absolute earliest. Play yourself into the tournament, get your teeth into the event. But, <coughs> excuse me, I really liked um, Jordan Thompson in Brisbane. Mm. Really, really played well. You know, played a great match against Rafa that was physically brutal, but then he backed up really well the next day against Grigor. So I've known Tomo a long time, and he's a tremendous athlete, but he's starting to use his athleticism proactively. He sort of had a bit of a counter-punching mentality for a while. So I'm pretty pretty keen to see how Tomo goes. But look, we've had so many men who had great 2023, a great season. Don't discount Max Purcell, dangerous. Rinky Hijikata's playing really well. Yep. We've got a lot of good stories there. Chris O'Connell's playing well in Adelaide. They're all capable of doing something special but maybe they just need a little bit of favour in the draw because they're not actually seated. And as we know, the Aussie Open, if you have a couple of wins early and then you get the crowd behind you, confidence builds, um, the chance of a, a big scalp improves enormously. What about the men's competition overall? We'll get on to the women's in a moment. But obviously Novak's the favourite. Carlos Alcaraz is there, Yannick Sinner, and there are a host of others who can obviously challenge for the Australian Open crown. Who are you leaning towards at the moment if it's not Novak? Well, I, I really like Sinner based on the fact that he's improving all the time. I mean, I love Alcaraz. He's already won a slam, of course, or a couple. Um, I think they pose just about the biggest threats. But gee, there's a there's a group of players just behind them Um that are very, very capable on a given day of beating anybody. Grigor Dimitrov's mm. playing really well. Um, I like Kasper early in the season. Um, Zverev, just dangerous. I know Alex beat him at the United Cup, but this guy just serves out of a mountain all day long. And, mm. you know, over five sets, you've got to break him down. He's got, you know, absolutely world-class backhand. He's moving well. He looked good to me. Um, there's, there's a lot of players that can do damage. You know, Holgeru seems to be getting back to where he was. And while some of those names might not, you know, go on to, you know, have back-to-back-to-back wins, they're very capable of upsetting anybody on the day. On the women's side of things, we know that Igor Sviantek's the, uh, the world number one and the hot favourite. There's... Uh... Rabakina, um, Zabalenka, who are also very strong. And then it seems to be very even after that. You could throw a blanket over 15 or 20 who on any given day can jump up and potentially win the tournament. Can any of the Aussies on the women's side of things surprise? And obviously, Alia Tomjanovic is uh, our uh, leading contender in that sense. Yeah, look, we're probably a little bit thinner um, in the ranks on the women's side. Ash departing. Uh, we've had some serious injuries, obviously, to Dasha over a period of time, but, you know, she she's back playing and, you know, she'll really enjoy the home crowd support that she'll get there in Melbourne. But it's, Isla's still building, you know, on the back of that um, knee problem that she had after, you know, some really good results in slams. You know, she got to three quarterfinals and really looking to make a breakthrough, but suffered that knee injury. 
So look, not not quite uh, the depth on the women's side as the men's. We yep. have Storm Hunter moving through qualifying. We'd love to get a, we'd, you know, we'd love to get a few of the Australians through qualifying too. There's quite a few of them too to bolster our numbers in the main draw. But I have to agree with what you said. You know, Siontek, Rabak, and uh, you know, Coco Goff and Sabalenka. Mm. I would look for the winner to come out of those four. Been really impressed with uh, Eager. Sometimes I feel on faster courts, uh, you know, players that play really directly into a forehand can get some benefit. But I don't know, just the court, you know, the court ball matchup seems to suit her, moving unbelievably well. So she looks dangerous. And then, you know, Rebecca in Brisbane was almost unplayable. Mm. So, you know, she continues that sort of form, look out. But of course, Melbourne provides, you know, the, the players in the United Cup in quite a few situations played under a roof. You get down to Melbourne, you know, you can get the 40-degree day, you can get the breeze, uh, the nighttime, daytime variants, you know. Melbourne can throw up a lot of variables and over the course of, you know, 14 days, seven matches, things you know, things can conspire against you. So a lot has to go right. But I think at the top four women, I think the winner will come out of that. But like you said, mm. there's probably 10 or 15 women behind that that are very yeah. capable on any given day of an upset, whether they can go back to back to back. Is, is the question. For sure. Um, Australian tennis great Wally Masur is uh, with us on SEN Afternoons. Uh, the story leading into the draw was uh, Aussie Ariana Radionova, who came out swinging um, in a big way at organisers for not giving her a wild card. She didn't make it through qualifying and felt as if she deserved a wild card at the Australian Open. What did you make of that furor? Well, Daniel, the beautiful thing is this. I was, for many, many years, a selector. Mm-hmm. And I was involved in those conversations, and they're really difficult. Yeah. Um, so thankfully, I'm out of it now, <laughs> uh, and other people have to make those decisions because it's a pretty thankless task because you just can't make everybody happy. And I suppose when you look at a wild card decision, if you look at it sort of independently, you might scratch your head, but you've got to consider all of the other um, people, all of the other options, and then you've got to have some sort of consistency in your selections and the reason for it. So, yeah, people are going to be aggrieved. There's a lot at stake, isn't there? Um, what, is it like 110000 now to show up for the first round? I mean, that that's a year's salary for yeah. a lot of people and more. It's yeah. plus the opportunity, you know, the opportunity to win a match and, you know, make double that. So I understand people's frustrations, but... Yeah, I mean, you could spend a long time debating the merits of wildcards, but yeah, as I say, I'm I'm pleased to be I'm pleased to be out of it. I guess the most important thing is when you you qualify and you don't have that issue, you don't leave it to chance. I guess, um, which unfortunately for Radian Over, she uh, she failed to do. All right, I said we'd do this at the start of the interview, Wall, uh, without getting into too much of a "this is your life" type. Uh, segments i'd love to know about that journey to the semis in the 93 us open because as i said you started your career by making the semis at the 87 aussie open hopefully alex dimonor can replicate that this year but then you know there's such a long gap between doing it again in 1993 at flushing meadows how did that transpire and when did you feel at that time for those who aren't across it as much that you were onto something special at that tournament well it's you know and i guess i i relate my journey to the, the players, you know, I mentioned a Tomo, you know, I've, um, I, I guess I understand Tomo's arc, you know, I understand that trajectory, I understand what's involved, and that's why 
I kind of mentioned Tomo as someone that I think can, can go on a bit of a run because he's fit, he's done the work, he's getting his, his house in order in terms of his game style. He's really starting to, you know, explore the court. And I think for me, you know, like Demon, Demon is a very, very good player, but I mm. think there's a lot of players out there. We're talking about all these Australian men in the top 100. For a, for a lot of players, and myself included, it's all a bit of a slog. You know, you just you just keep grinding and trying and yeah. pushing and exploring and, you know, you hire different people to work with you to get some different ideas and you push the boundary of your training and you, you do whatever you can to try to get those opportunities. And it's a bit like I always say to the players, just be ready, be ready, be ready. You never know when lightning strikes. Yeah. You're just always ready. You know, it's not like you can have a massive off season and party and let yourself go. You've got to be constantly sort of there to take advantage of an opportunity and you kind of said it sometimes you might beat a seed you might take the seeds draw the seed might be slightly off you beat him uh yeah but you've got to be ready so yeah that's kind of how it works you know and it, it's not easy look at someone like rublev unbelievable player top five top six in the world he's had seven or eight quarterfinal appearances in grand slams he's not got past it yet but he's six or seven in the world it's it's not easy best of five sets you know you could play Jack Draper, one day, big lefty serve volley, and the next day, you you know, two days later, you play a five foot eight clay quarter from Argentina, mm. you know, who, who plays 15 feet behind the baseline. There's just so many variables that you've got to be prepared for. And for a lot of players, you know, for the greats, they're great, you know, they're just, they're just better. But for a lot of players, it's just a slog. So that had happened for you in 93. You were just ready and there was this perfect storm and it all came together at a time when maybe it was unexpected? Yeah. Um, I'd had a solid, you know, look, I, I guess, you know, I'd had a solid career in the sense that I was always sort of top 50 times mm. top 20, bounce around. Um, but I think I'd had a particular, you know, good two or three years with my coach and it had been very consistent in terms of effort and results on all surfaces and yeah I just you know the, the 87 Kuyong Kuyong was grass it was so Australian it was so favorable to Australian players the surface um, but you know once we went from grass to rebound ace you know that that changed <laughs> all of a sudden we were on unfamiliar territory and um, it was it was complicated. Um, so yeah, that required about six years of work to <laughs> to be ready for that that sort of transition for me to go from being a good fast serve volley player on grass court to having the game, the all round game, to compete you know better on the other surfaces. Well, you provided us with great memories. There are more to come at Melbourne Park this summer. That is for sure. It all starts on Sunday. Look forward to watching your work from the Australian Open, Wally Masur. Hopefully, Alex Diminor and others can provide us with uh, some more Australian tennis memories to uh, savour for years to come like you did. Wally Masur, thanks so much for joining us. Good on you, mate, and I'm with you. Yeah, keep an eye on the Aussies. I think we'll get some good results. Good stuff.